Welcome to Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast. I'm Connie Teeson. On this special edition of the podcast, we bring you the opportunity to listen in on a conversation from the recent BC Association of Broadcasters conference between Pattison Media President Rod Schween and Jimmy Pattison, CEO and Chairman of the Board of Jim Pattison Group. Now 94, Pattison is still going into the office six to seven days a week, overseeing one of Canada's largest privately held companies, which in addition to 48 radio and three television stations, encompasses automotive, grocery, and entertainment, among other ventures. In this abridged conversation, the business magnet talks about his journey to becoming Canada's third richest man, addresses some urban legends, and more. Jimmy, Valerie talked about, you know, always make it interesting and uh, keep your audience engaged. So I'm going to go right from the heart, right off the bat. I'm going to ask you the toughest question uh, right from the very start. And there's the urban legend about Jimmy Patterson is that you always fire the lowest salesperson at the end of the month or at the end of the quarter. Is that a true story and why? Absolutely. <laughs> true story. The policy was uh, fire the bottom salesman. Uh, I'm talking used car salesman. We have new and used. The majority of our salespeople were used, but they knew. Everybody knew that I fired the bottom salesman at the end of every month. Uh, and this was an exception to every rule. I always remember a guy, I talked him into quitting his job. His name was Don Anderson. And he worked at a, at a gas station at 41st in Granville. And I'd stop in and get gas when I was going to the airport or coming back from the airport. And he was a really good guy at the gas pump, so I offered to him, I said, why don't you come sell cars with us? So he quit his job and came with us, and the first month, he never sold a car. And the second month, he never sold a car. And at the end of the third month, I took him under my wing and spent time with him. And it turned out he became the top salesman we ever had. But he spent three months on his own, but never understood how to close a deal. I mean, you can talk to lots of people, but until you close the deal, you got nothing. And he never understood that. But when I spent some time with him, he wound up being the top salesman we ever had. And uh, we had 24, 25 used car salesmen at that time. So, you know, sometimes the people that ask that question don't realize that how much you do care about people and that it really is one of the things you remind us on a regular basis is it's all about the people. And it's also about making sure that they're in the right roles, correct? Well, that's the whole key. You may be a good violin player, but you may not be a good used car salesman, even though you're... You, you can work hard. Uh, people, like certain people, all of us have, can do things better than somebody else. And uh, the key is get them in the right place. And, and if it's not right, then clean it up and move on. 
you know, to that point, I see a lot of posts sometimes from people that maybe have a friend that knows you or have run into you when you're out uh, in Vancouver, and these people always talk about how generous you are with your time. I know you spend a lot of time sometimes answering questions for people. They're trying to get into business. They're trying to start their own business. They're trying to move their careers forward. What's the number one thing you, what's the number one piece of advice you give to people that come to visit you uh, about how they can move their careers forward? Well, it depends. If it's a salesperson, you know, I was raised in the used car business and uh, on Kingsway. And, uh, and there's all used car salesmen and used car dealers with spin speedometers back. And they, they do all kinds of things, used car salesmen in those days. And uh, I've always told people, tell the truth no matter what. Urban legend number two. You know, you're always early, you're never late. Did you really lock the door? to various sales meetings. And did you ever have somebody break the door down with a chainsaw? Uh, the answer is yes and yes. Um, I have always had sales meetings every morning. And when I did, I locked the door of the room we were in. Anyway, this is a true story. He was late, the door was locked. And he came and he had a saw. And he put the saw through the door and sawed the door and came in. Did you fire him? Oh no, I gave him a bonus <laughs> for being creative. Now I always wondered when you told that story, was that a setup? Did you two guys set that up? No, no. Like who carries a chainsaw randomly? Well, he went to the service department and got one. So that's why you got the bonus for being creative. Cars was not your first sales job. Maybe many people think cars was the first thing you started selling. What was the first thing you started selling, and how old were you when you started your sales? Well, I started selling garden seeds when I was seven, eight years old, when I was going to school at 33rd in Maine. There's a school called Brock School there, between 32nd and 33rd. Uh, sold garden seats door to door. I sold magazines, subscriptions door to door ever since I was seven, eight years old. My parents, we didn't own a house, my parents. Uh, I couldn't have had better parents, but one thing we didn't have was any money. We didn't own a house, and uh, I knew if I was going to have anything, I had to make the money. And, uh, and that didn't do me any harm. And, I learned lots of things about people, door to door. Is that where your drive came from, you think, Jimmy? Well, the drive came, I guess, if you, I knew if I wanted something, I was going to have to work for it. You've talked a lot about how influential your parents were in your life. Is that who instilled, you know, like you're, you always talk in the company video right up front about integrity, quality, and customer service. Is it your parents that instilled those key values into you? Absolutely. My mother, my dad in particular, boy, never tell a lie. Tell the, always tell the truth. And so if you, if you do that, it certainly affects what you do and what you say and, what, and all the other things that you get involved with. My favorite story about you and integrity is a story I hope you remember 
of uh, your ninth birthday and going down to Seattle and coming back across the border. Do you remember that story? I do. Will you tell that story today? My parents bought a watch. I never had a watch before. I was in, I was nine or ten years old, and, and we bought it. My dad bought a watch, and of course, when we got to the border, they asked, me, "Did we buy anything?" And my dad said, "Yes, we bought my son a watch." They said, "Well, you're going to have to pay the duty, the duty on it." And so they figured out the duty, and we didn't have enough money to pay the duty, and they took my watch. And uh, that was uh, one of my first lessons about telling the truth. <laughs> when I heard that story the first time, it wasn't any watch, it was a Mickey Mouse watch, and it was just something really special about that story, picturing Jimmy and, uh, and losing that watch. So thanks for, thanks for sharing that one. So you talked about starting your sales career at six or seven years old. You're 94 now, and you're still working six or seven days a week. Why? Many people would have would have stopped by now. Well, it depends on how much money you owe. <laughs> I've always owed the banks money all my, ever since I got into business, and so uh, I always got a reason to go to work because I I've always owed the banks money until actually now. For the first time in my life, I don't owe the banks any money today, but if you'd gone back three months ago, I still would owe money. But uh, we've, I've always borrowed money and grown the business. It's a strong incentive once you owe the money to borrow money, to get, you gotta pay it back, and not to do that, you gotta work. And uh, I've always, the, I've been at the mercy of the Canadian banks all my life, but actually today, we don't have any net debt in the company, but it's the first time in my whole life that I've not owed money since I was a little kid, seven, eight years old. So, uh, I think we're on by. I think you've got a question from our audience. I do. Uh, Jimmy, this one came in from the audience. You own many different companies and types of business. Describe the particular passion and impact that you feel owning radio and TV stations. You own so many different businesses. What does radio and TV add to your portfolio? I went into the car business uh, at uh, 18th and Camby in Vancouver in a three-pump gas station. And uh, I got the opportunity to, to buy this uh, company. It was a car car dealer, Pontiac Buick dealer, and the company was losing money, and the guy was broke. And General Motors gave me the opportunity, and I borrowed $40,000 at the Royal Bank, Camby and Broadway. My whole life was involved in it. I knew something about cars. I put 40000 in and lost thirty the first month because the company was losing money and I had the opportunity. That's why I got the opportunity. Second month, I made a couple thousand dollars and uh, from then on, we've done okay. So when you got the opportunity to purchase radio stations, I know you said to me that many times you didn't get respect as a used car salesman. 
It wasn't really that you got into the radio business, that you actually got a little respect, especially from the banks. Is that correct? Oh, absolutely. Uh, radio broadcasting is a respectable business. Used car salesmen were pretty well at the bottom of the list because uh, they had a bad reputation. And of course, I, would, I was brought up not to, to do that, to be, tell the truth, be honest, no matter what. And uh, over time, we got a good reputation and it all worked out okay. We were, at that time, big advertisers. And when the opportunity to come to buy 600 in the dollars, called CJOR, they went out of business and I applied for the station and I went up to Ottawa and uh, appeared before the... It was the broadcast board of governors in those yeah. days, wasn't it? Before the predecessor to the CRTC, yes. right? Exactly, and I went down there and uh, made a presentation and they gave me the 600 in the dial to run a radio station. And uh, so that's how I got in the radio business. You've seen a lot of change over 60 years in business. Have you seen a period ever like we've just gone through with COVID and then the aftermath after? No. <laughs> what advice have you given to your companies to try and weather this, this period that we've just gone through? Well. In some cases, we've been shut down 100%. And, uh, and others, uh, uh, the food business, the grocery stores we got, they were, of course, people needed groceries. But uh, on the other hand, we're in the billboard business and total advertising quit. And that business, we got hurt because we had leases on, on the property, which we had to pay rent every month. So we got hurt the worst. And also we owned a, a down in uh, Niagara Falls. We have a... The Great Wolf Lodge. The, we have a Great Wolf Lodge, which is all basically all kids for kids. And that was all shut down. But we kept all the staff on. We had 60 employees. And we kept them all, paid them, lost money every month. In other businesses, we're in the, in the lumber business. and and other different leasing business, and so we had other things that were doing fine, and overall, we came out okay. You had a chance to meet many, many influential people through your time. Some really amazing world leaders have come uh, had a chance to speak at your annual conference that you have. Who would, be, who would you say you were most impressed with of all the world leaders that, you, uh, that you've met in your years? In my whole lifetime. In your whole lifetime. Margaret Thatcher from England. Why Margaret Thatcher? What was it about her? Wow, that woman was smart. The first talk she gave after she was the Prime Minister of England was at our meeting in Blaine, Washington. I brought her over to talk to our management and she was a leader. In my lifetime, I think Margaret Thatcher is the most impressive person I ever met. And came from very humble beginnings too, correct? Oh, sure. She worked in a grocery store. In fact, I brought her across the border and took her to a Savon store. Uh, and she said it was the best grocery store she'd ever been in. And, uh, but her family were a very modest family. 
in England, but I can remember talking to Ronald Reagan, uh, the President of the United States one time, and I asked him just that question, like who was somebody that really was a, a hugely impressed, and he told me Margaret Thatcher. But she was a strong, strong, smart woman, and grew, grew up from the bottom up in the United Kingdom. What was it like to roll up to the border with Margaret Thatcher in your car? And I imagine the border guard is a little shocked to have you, and, 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 uh, or did you make some special arrangements to bring her across? No, I brought her across. We had meetings in Blaine on the U.S. side. And you brought her to a Save-On store. Then I went, she, because she grew up in a grocery store, I said, I want to show you one of ours. So I brought her across the border, and uh, the border, I, I said, we have Margaret Thatcher in the car, and the guy didn't believe us. And so I, so I opened the door and invited him in. He went away. He said, I'm sorry, go ahead. Something humorous about thinking about those two rolling up to the border, for sure. I want to come back to a closing question, and it's been asked to a certain degree, but you said you've made a lot of mistakes. You're always very upfront. Uh, about that. Is there one regret that you have in business that if you had a chance to do it over, you'd do it differently? One that stands out in your mind? There's got to be a lot of them. Uh, but I can't think of one. Not, not one that stands out. I can't think, but the biggest mistakes that I've made have been hiring somebody that wasn't the right person for the job. Because in the final desk, we have, right now, we have over 50,000 over fifty thousand employees. I have a private company. I have no partners. I got no shareholders. I got no relatives and no arguments. <laughs> but, uh, You've never argued with Maureen? Well, that's my secretary. <laughs> And, uh, and she's usually right. It, we have a constant argument with her. Uh, Maureen Chan, she's been with me since she, she's 86, I think, now. And she's been with me since she was 23. She started with me in a gas station at Cappy on the 18th. Uh, I've never made an important decision in the company over the years that I haven't gone to her talked about it and uh, said, so what do you think of this idea? And she disagrees with me 90% of the time. <laughs> well, Jimmy, I want to thank you personally for uh, finally being able to come and speak to the ABC Association of Broadcasters. We, we really value you uh, spending your time with us today. And on behalf of the industry, thank you for letting us continue to invest in the company and, and try and lead this industry forward that we all feel so very passionately about and I know has contributed to your company over the years and, and has a big place in the Jim Madison group. So thanks for your time today. Well, thank you for allowing me to be here today. Our thanks to the BC Association of Broadcasters and Patterson Media for Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast. I'm Connie Thiessen.
Thanks for listening to Broadcast Dialogue. For more information about the podcast or to receive exclusive access to our weekly briefing about the Canadian media industry, visit us at broadcastdialogue.com. Don't forget to like us on Facebook, connect with us on LinkedIn, and follow us on Twitter and SoundCloud. I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent, almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com.